Welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. Welcome to another episode of Your Podcast or Mine. I'm Sherry, and on this episode, I'm speaking with Justin Hart, the creative mind behind the podcast Telehell. So thanks so much for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sherry. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Okay, so um, why don't we get things started, and um, why don't you give a brief description of uh, your podcast? Well, it's... uh... It's a show about bad television, first and foremost. I mean, that's like the main thing. It's it's basically talking about the worst that TV ever had to offer, and whether it be like ratings failures or shows that only lasted one episode or incidents that happened to take place in TV history. But we have a twist, and that twist is also the reason why we call the show Telehell. As our rating system, we use Dante's Nine Circles of Hell, and um, I wish I knew every single one of them right now without having to play back uh, some of the uh, imaging that I put together for it. But it's uh, basically like limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, violence, fraud, treachery, and all those things. And I think also sleepy, happy, and doc as well. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we, we, we use that as a, as a rating system not just because it's easy to count from one to nine, but also to sort of really analyze, like, what made – those shows and those moments as bad as they were and where exactly do they fit in. So it's not necessarily like, you know, 10 being the worst one being okay. It's just really more like an analytical kind of thing. So that's, that's the hell aspect of it. It's, it's a gimmick otherwise. So don't worry. It is fun for the whole family. (laughs) Well, uh, the first season you had six full length episodes and five mini episodes. So, um, you know, and basically you know the the ones that I listened to um, were uh, the Dukes of Hazard spinoff thing, and then um, I listened to the uh, Moment of Truth, <laughs> and that one oh, yeah. like really got me. Like I I don't ever remember that that television show. So um, <laughs> I mean to be quite honest with you, um, the the first one I do briefly, but um, you know you kind of bring uh, the shows that are like very much forgotten (laughs) and analyze them. So, so that is what makes it interesting. Um, You know, I, so, and I also listened to the uh, question and answer where people submitted questions that you answered, which I found to be like rather insightful into uh, your background and the background of the show. So I appreciated that episode too. So, Thank you very much. Um, I, I should po- I should I should point out not to not to interrupt, but uh, you know you're talking about the moment of truth and the Dukes of Hazard and all those things. Uh, one thing that I try to do, or at least I'm going to try to do in future episodes, is uh, there's like over 70 years of television to look at, and there's all sorts of wide demographics when it comes to who's listening to shows. You know, it, it's it could be young people, old people, black, white. You know big, tall, whatever. So I, I want to try to keep it as broad as I can. So if I come across a show that may be obscure to some, but definitely left an indelible mark on either me or the people around me or, you know, the community that I talk Twitter and Facebook, that can be included too. So not, not to go for like super obscure stuff, but it's just mostly stuff that 
really sticks out in thinking, oh, wow, how how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I I have a suggestion, and it, it was kind of like a, I don't know. I don't know how seriously I, I took this show, but I watched it because it was so, like, I, I don't know, bizarre or just like a train wreck waiting to happen. It was called right. Beauty and the Geek. Um, I remember was... that. I, I do remember <laughs> that. And I will say this, uh, a lot of the shows that I pick, like like I just said, it, it's really more like a personal preference thing versus also things that are obvious failures. You know, stuff like uh, You're in the Picture, our first episode with uh, Jackie Gleason hosting that stuff. But, you know, we try to go for the obvious stuff and we try to go for things that, Again, struck a nerve with me. Now, Beauty and the Geek, I'm glad you brought that up. Even though I personally am not a fan of reality television, it doesn't necessarily mean that other people won't be fans because there are going to be shows that have their fans for better or worse. As a matter of fact, there's an episode that I did uh, that – States the uh, top six things that we would not review, and one of those things is guilty pleasures. And I consider certain reality shows to be guilty pleasures. I don't consider all of them to be worth watching, but if it does what it's supposed to do, then more power to them. So more than likely, I mean, I, I may have to double back and consider <laughs> Beauty and the Geek now that you mentioned it, but. On the whole, really, if it really appealed greatly to certain people, it may not be that worthy of sin, except for maybe like a scene or two that just absolutely rubbed me the wrong way. But again, it's all about personal preference, and sometimes the majority has to rule. So if other people liked it that much, I try to stay as off limits from that as I possibly can. But I do thank you for the suggestion, though. Well, you, you know, the the one guilty pleasure that I do have that continues to run and is extremely popular, but it's not, like, widely known as much as some of the other ones is uh, Love After, After Lockup. That one is, like, <laughs> that one is, like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, crazy, that, that just, like, crazy. A pleasure. That is oh, yeah. a guilty pleasure. As a matter of fact, uh, all the crime shows out there, uh, you know, Cops started it all. Back when it was uh, still on Fox America's Most Wanted, I used to love watching that. I especially like uh, Live PD on A&E that airs on Friday nights usually. And it's it's taking the formula of cops and just the fact that it's live throws in the whole unpredictability thing. And it's like you're really wrapped up into this stuff. And although some of these things can get a little outlandish at times, again, they have their fans. So I want to try to be as equal opportunity as I possibly can, but at the same time, there are some things that are more obvious than others that really deserve the thrashing that it kind of deserves. And, you know, sometimes you got to be picky and choosy about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Live PD is one of my favorites, too. Um, I admit to, to watching that, along with, like, the live rescue, the court cam, the, you know, all of that stuff. I, I'm a, I'm a glutton for that, so. <laughs> so, and uh, gluttony is probably in that, in that circle of, of hell, too. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I, I, yes. Uh, I should probably point out that, uh, when we do the sins at the end, when we uh, try to figure everything out, we try not to do like the exact textbook definition of the sin 
if, if that makes sense. That like you know, I mean, there is the straight version of it, but then there's like uh, you know, rudimentary things. I, I'm no theologian or religious person by any means, but you know, if there's like a certain angle, and that angle winds up exploiting other things that wind up, you know, exploiting other things as well, then you've got yourself an opening, and then you're able to you know, give it the justification that it deserves. I mean, you can't just say, oh, something aired seven nights a week for seven weeks. That's too much stuff. So, you know, we, we do have our limitations when it comes to the sins that we cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so getting back to um, you as a, a podcaster, what compelled you to become a podcaster? Um, did you listen to a podcast that, that spurred this, or um, had you had broadcasting uh, background in, before, or just was it something that it was an off-the-cuff idea or a combination of, of everything? Uh, the uh, shortest as I possibly can version of that is that I've got 15 years and counting of radio experience. Uh, for the past six years, I have been producing commercials for a major broadcaster. I'm not quite sure if we can say brand names on this show, but you know, if you think major radio, it really only boils down to just a couple these days. So I'll leave it to you to yeah. figure that out. Uh, other than that, I was uh, like a DJ, program director, music director, production director. I've really gotten like more into the production side of things for most of my career. Uh, radio stations in the Catskills in Boston. Then Boston didn't quite work out for whatever reason. So I had to go back to college for my bachelor's degree. They had a radio station there, and it actually felt... I, I'll say this about working a college radio station after you've worked for over-the-air radio stations. Not only do you experience a lot of humbleness for what you've done before, but at the same time, you feel gratified that even though you're very much a student, which I was when I returned to school, but I'm also showing these other kids how to do stuff using the knowledge that I already knew. So going back to college, I thought was a very formative step. And, and uh, it was because of that formative step, I I think, that uh, I wound up starting my career again around 2014, and that's my current position right now, making commercials. Oh, that's cool. So, um, you, you know, I mean, coming from a, a radio background myself, I started in college radio, but it was an FM station, so I had to get my FCC license, and I did at the age of 17. So, um, you know, I – and it was – amazing an amazing experience because the the station had a 50 mile radius so we would impact a lot of people so it was a a widely popular uh, college station in uh northeast pennsylvania that like interloped into new jersey so i right. you know i understand that and i interned at a i was the first intern um for the local fm station they never had an intern before and I was amazed at that. You know, I'm like, really? You you've never had an intern? And they had to go to the board of directors to get it approved. So I was like, okay, I, at least I broke ground there. So, <laughs> so any which way you can. Yeah, I I mean, and so I understand both sides. I turned out to do like the more writing and doing the music journalism stuff before I went into like corporate America. So 
I understand all of the the different sides too, and the the production side really fascinated me too. So um, kudos to you for for doing that and for going back to school and you know becoming you know the Yoda for your uh, you know for the students well, that you helped out. I, to, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far because there were still some things that I needed to learn before I actually got back into the swing of things, but. Um, I appreciate the uh, kind words. Now, uh, circling back to uh, the question that you asked about how the show came to be, simply put, I just love television. I, I love a lot of things about television, everything from the hits to the misses to the obscurities. And I, I realized that in uh, looking up podcasts, and, and I, I'm kind of uh, fairly new to the whole podcast thing, I mean, not just because this is the first show that I've ever put together, but just like listening to other shows, trying to get a feel for all that stuff. So there's no one particular favorite at this time, although I will say I do like the scripted shows. Absolutely love the scripted shows. As a matter of fact, I recommend a show called Passenger List. It's uh, it's sort of similar to things like Lost and The Manifest on NBC. It's uh, basically about an airplane that goes missing while it's flying. And uh, one of uh, the passengers uh, siblings is trying to find out what happened to that person. So that's a really good show. I think scripted dramas are going to be the next big step when it comes to podcast and streaming related entertainment, but I'm just one person. So don't quote me 100% to that. But anyway, um, getting back to uh, the other question, you know, just because I enjoy a lot of television, and I started checking to see if there were, like, any shows about TV. And surprisingly, although there are good shows out there about TV, it seems to be highly outpaced by shows about movies. Not that I have anything against shows about movies, but there's just so many of them. So mm-hmm. I, feel t- I, I, I feel TV was something that I knew a lot about, even just by rudimentary watching certain shows over and over again, but it's like, I think TV felt a little underrepresented in the world of podcasting. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this. And I especially wanted to do a show about TV failures because I'm sure you're familiar with the German word schadenfreude. It's pretty much that kind of, it's pretty much that kind of mentality. And for those of you out there who are listening, that's joy at the misfortunes of others. Your fun fact for the day, um, but yeah, I've always been fascinated by things that go wrong, and again, like I said at the beginning, it, it's really more about the analytical stuff, about figuring out why did it go wrong and how did this happen in the first place. One of my favorite shows to listen to, in the few shows that I've been listening to, is How Did This Get Made with uh, June Diane Raphael and Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis, I think his name is, but they can go on for like two, three hours sometimes talking about just one particular movie. I wish I had that kind of stamina to do that. I'm lucky to get 30 to 60 minutes going for one given subject, and that could happen someday. But, I mean, it's just there's a lot of pent-up steam that needs to be released. Uh, There's a lot of pent-up steam that needs to be released when it comes to bad anything and tv i think is a little underrepresented in podcast form so i figure why not throw my hat in the ring and give that a shot (laughs) so on the technical side 
how do you record and edit your shows? I use a number of different uh, techniques, uh, not so much techniques, just different places to record and to edit. For the uh, actual recording part and gathering of audio, I use my office here in New York City. And again, I'm not going to say where because they could be listening. And if they are listening, surprise. And from there to New York City, it's about a two-hour commute each way. And I wish you could see my face right now because I can tell you I've got more bags than a Samsonite store under my eyes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how much I've been doing. And this is going on for six years, but I digress. It's worth it, though, because you know when you, you, you finish the job, when you complete an episode or when you complete a commercial or when you do anything that involves creativity and you see the end product of it, all the insomnia in the world's worth it, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, your episodes, how often do you release them or, or what are you planning? How are you planning to um, put them out? Well, uh, when we started the show this past July of 2019, uh, we wanted to do we, – we, we originally wanted to do – and. I shouldn't say we because it's really an army of one. I'm, I'm the one putting it all together and all that stuff. But why not? Let's speak in the third person. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, mm-hmm. we originally planned to do uh, one full-length episode one week and then one mini-sode another week and then alternate between the two. And for that, we were able to get 13 episodes uh, out, including some uh, special presentation episodes. Uh, so that ultimately added up to 13 plus – the recap show, the Q&A show, so 15 episodes this season, and that actually wound up being like monthly specials and all that stuff. When we return on the week of January 5th, uh, we intend on doing weekly shows, or at least as much as I can crank out the scripts in between my actual job, but then again, that's what they got caffeine pills for. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, we're going to try to do uh, weekly shows, uh, eight weeks of shows in a row for January and February. Then in March and April, we sort of take it easy a little bit. That's when we go to the every other week schedule. And then we wrap things up with five more shows in a row for May. And that will be it for the main season. We also have plans for a summer special, but I am not going to reveal too much details about that at that time. Let's just say it is a mini series and it will have a common theme. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So um, what would you say is a common myth about podcasting? Uh, At the risk of alienating a lot of people listening right now, the fact that you can actually make money off of it. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. That's a common common answer. Trust me. (laughs) Or or at least, or at least when you're starting out. Because obviously you got to build this stuff up over time. Nothing ever happens overnight even the most established of podcast people even the famous people that do shows who are already rich enough as it is they didn't experience success overnight were it not for the name recognition that they had attached to it now i'm a nobody doing a show out of nowhere so the fact that we even got as many people listening to this as as you know i i, I couldn't even begin to fathom the fact that as of press time, we have like over 1,400 total downloads of the 15 episodes that we have had. And that, without any advertising, without any other things aside from word of mouth and just trying to keep the budgets tight, that is 
amazing to me. Unfortunately for our distributor, I think you have to reach like a certain level of downloads per month in order to start actually doing commercials and advertising stuff like that. So uh, it is a long road ahead, but it, it's pretty much this mentality of just about any other thing that you try to do and get off the ground. You do not give up. You should not give up. Even when things look their darkest, you got to press forward and do the best that you possibly can with it. And I know it seems like wishful thinking to some, but if you have a idea or a gimmick that you truly believe in, then by all means, you should be able to pursue it as much as you possibly can. And I mean, right now, at this stage of the game for the show, it's really more of a hobby than it is a career. But once it starts picking up a little steam, fingers crossed, knock on wood, I'm knocking on a wooden desk, uh, just, uh, you know, you just got to keep at it. And, you know, even a modest success is still a success. You know, even a tiny microcosm of activity can be considered a success. Small victories are no larger than the big ones sometimes. So even if you're starting out and you feel that there's nobody listening, there may be somebody listening, and then maybe that person might wind up spreading words. So you never know. Just do not give up. Whatever you do, do not give up if you are a first-timer. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything that you said there. Um, so on uh the flip side, what do you think is the most challenging part about podcasting? Definitely the financial stuff. <laughs> That's for damn yeah. sure. Especially mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, pushing ourselves out there. And we, we have means of uh, advertising ourselves. Like, uh, I want to credit Facebook, actually. And I know Facebook is going through quite a, a lot of uh, trouble these days for other reasons. Don't worry, I'm not going to be drinking any vodka martinis anytime soon. That's Vidanya. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, thanks to Facebook and the fact that they have uh, an ad campaign program. As a matter of fact, as I'm, uh, as I'm looking at this right now, let me just uh, pull up my page because I've got the internet here in the office. But you know, on the Telehill podcast page on Facebook, on, on my side of it anyway, everybody else sees something different. But I have a dashboard where you can actually boost posts. And thanks to various fundraising things that we've been doing, including eBay sales and just finding a bunch of uh, things that people throw away and selling those and you know, coming up with a second income that way, thanks to all that stuff, we were able to pick up a significant amount of Listeners, especially for the Dukes of Hazard episode and for the Moment of Truth episode. Although, to be fair, I mean there were there's a lot of people that are interested in that kind of stuff. People, uh, the Dukes of Hazard episode especially surprised me. Just the fact that people will ride or die with that show, but also the Moment <laughs> of Truth, uh, the fact that it's a game show and the internet's a gigantic community of game show fans. So. I, be, I, I you got you got to make sure to tag certain interests whenever you do a post boost, and this is a tip for anybody out there listening, especially if you have a Facebook page and you link your episodes there. Boosting your post, even though it may seem like a bit of a cheat to some, it does come in handy because that's how you wind up getting 
a significant amount of listeners, at least for as long as you keep advertising that. So when you boost your post, you tag your interests, you do all that stuff, and think of it as uh, buying a, a sapling at a garden store of a, of a given vegetable or something or other. Plant it into the ground, you already have a head start. That's essentially what this is. It's, it's a head start for the garden. Interesting. I'm glad that you shared that, you know, because other people listening might not have known that. So I appreciate I appreciate this information, and I do want to caution, though, try not to go too overboard with the budget. I, normally, whenever I boost the post, I spend like maybe $40 at most for one week's worth of advertising. And that may seem relatively small in some sense, but if it means bringing in the listeners, that is still – a method. It may not be the best method. It may not be, you know, it may not be the method that people think of, but if it means having to bring in the numbers, every little bit helps. So what would you say, uh, how has, um, like, podcasting improved or changed your life? How would you uh, say that it did or, um, you know, the did it open your eyes to, to anything or uh, give you a new perspective about, you know, a well, different I'll, form of media? Right. Um, well, I'll say this. Uh, the fact that there's, I believe to my count, over 30 – well, not my count. It's, it's, it's – I forget which article it was, but they say there's like something north of 30,000 different – podcast today that we know of at least there's still like a bunch of people that are just starting out then they probably haven't been fully counted yet but we are coming towards 2020 maybe that'll be a census thing i don't know but um um well anyway uh, yes there's there's just so many things to listen to out there there's no doubt in my mind that this is very much becoming a power player when it comes to streaming entertainment when it just comes to entertainment in general, sometimes information, and a lot of other stuff. And that's uh, why I say at the beginning, especially with the scripted shows, it's hearkening back to the old days of radio in the 40s and 50s, back when they had scripted dramas on NBC and CBS radio uh, to a national audience. And you know that kind of stuff is making a comeback. And because of the fact that technology has become so much more sophisticated instead of just doing like cheap Foley arts, but that, I mean, that's still very practical stuff to do and very uh, hard work there, but because it's become, become more sophisticated these days, that's why I see podcasts in general, not just because of the scripted shows, but because of everything else. And because of how sophisticated technology is, it's going to more than likely Dare I say it, I think it's going to replace radio altogether. Not right away. I mean, this is going to take a little bit of time, like maybe 30, 40 years or so. Maybe 20, who knows. But I do see podcasts overshadowing terrestrial radio. I see it overshadowing satellite radio. I see it overshadowing 
all things that are traditional. Television, of course, will still survive, but then again, that's what they got Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, all those guys for because you know they already know what the next step's going to be. But the same thing's happening now for podcasts, and I guarantee you, if they haven't already put them in car radios yet standard, there will be a way for you to listen to a podcast while you're driving. And I don't mean just like downloading it, but like you know, streaming it off of something. You can switch between FM, between XM, between internet. I, I think they have them in the newer cars now, but it's going to become like more of a mainstream thing too. But again, I'm just one guy who's discovering this for the first time, like really diving headfirst into this. So don't quote me 100% on this. Call me a raving lunatic if you will, but it's uh, it, it's just a matter of time until it catches up to the rest of the mainstream. And, you know, it's just, it's a big world out there. Sometimes you just got to look beyond to find the good stuff. Well, and, uh, you know, on, on the other side of the, the coin, there are a lot of podcasts that have turned into television shows or, yes. you, you know, it, which I, I find fascinating too, because, uh, things, for example, like Serial and uh, Lore and uh, Dirty John and a, a whole, you know, a whole plethora of them are turning Absolutely, into, yes. you know, so I think it, it's catching up to television in, in other ways, you know, where they know that they're going to get an audience, but it also reverts back to podcasting, too, because they'll say, oh, it's based on the podcast and people watching television may, who may not know of the medium will be, well, what's a podcast? And then they do research and then they take a deep dive into it and find out that there's so much more to it than just the, the mainstream stuff. There's, you know, there's a niche for every, for everyone and a sub niche and a sub sub niche, I think. So, you know, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think, you know, it, it may take 10 or 20 years, but I think podcasting is, is certainly an industry that all of the other um, broadcast uh, platforms need to uh, be aware of and, and take notice of. And I think that they are, so <laughs> because a lot of them have turned in, you know, newspapers as well. You know, a lot of those mediums are, you know, uh, creating Probably podcasts. Probably the only like, things that are keeping those industries afloat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the Washington America, Post. It's, has, it's uh, funny you bring up it's it's funny that you bring up the newspapers uh, because I believe uh, the L.A. Times uh, just a couple of weeks ago they uh, put out a new program and I'm trying to remember what it was called. It, it was about it was about crime. True crime is especially popular these days. I mean, you, you can't throw a brick at anything without you know, coming across a podcast, sending podcasts for possible is a detective trap. The uh, LA times produces it. It's about someone named uh, Julissa trap, who is the only woman on the homicide squad in Anaheim. And she does it all. You know, she's a sting operator, crime scene commander, patient confidant of killers. You know, it's, it's, it's not a scripted show. It's really this woman's life, but the people behind dirty John are doing this and it's all about the atmosphere with these shows. You know, it's set up just the right way so that you feel like you really are truly there. And that's the kind of shows that I think are going to become the big hits or the ones that you feel transported and you feel the escapism and you feel that you're in this other world. 
information shows are just fine. Don't get me wrong, but you know sometimes you need a little bit of escapism, and I think this uh, Detective Trap show is going to be uh, one of the shows people talk about for a while. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it sounds interesting. I'll have to check it out for sure. So, and that's um, Trap with two P's. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, because I'd be looking for trap and something completely different will come up. So, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, there's been also been a lot of news about pod fade. Um, they, there was a report uh, that said after seven episodes, people just like turn the lights off and walk away from their podcast. So how do you avoid it? What do you do to uh, decompress from it and, you know, just, that you know, part, come back I'm, with... Yeah, yeah that part I'm uh, trying to figure out myself, but that's also kind of why we imposed a bit of a break between, you know, the summer and the and the winter. That and because the holidays are usually the most hectic time of the year when it comes to radio for anybody in the radio industry, you know, trying to put together Christmas stuff getting commercials done ahead of time for holiday shopping and all that stuff. So I intentionally decided to end the season with just those six episodes and the six minisodes or no, wait, there were five of them. That's right. Uh, Well, you know what I mean? We started in the summer. We pause now. We're in the middle of our hiatus now, but we come back in January just, just so we can relax and pace ourselves. But maybe that's part of, the answer to your question there is the fact that if you do things all in a row all at once and I know that's kind of hypocritical of what I just said regarding the next season but you know just you give yourself a break and then you resume again do another stretch of things it's no different than whenever a TV show schedules itself because you don't want to watch episode after episode after episode unless of course it's binge worthy there's many double edged swords here but I mean normally a TV show scheduled like three shows in a row and then you take a break for a week and then you come back two shows, then another break, then three more, then another break. You, you pace yourself that way. So I'm kind of going it, the inverse of that. And I think other people should consider not doing everything all in a row. Unless of course you're like one of those really big shows out there and you actually happen to have a staff of people that are dedicated to, doing the work because of course it's going to wind up sounding fresh when you have a staff of people dedicated to doing the work. Right. And you just show up there with your flip flops, you know, (laughs) or your, you know, or your uh, pajamas, you know, (laughs) everyone else could, could do all like the hard work, the research, they hand you a script and yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of them are unscripted of course, but you know, they, they give you the background and and everything, and do all of like the the footwork for you, and you know, just like any. Second, please, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, the janitor is here. Just uh, one moment, please. Okay. Yeah. So uh, these people have, you know, they just show up, and everything's pretty much done for them. It's kind of like a dream job, I, I would think. You know, <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of work goes on behind the scenes. But when it's you're the solo person doing something like this, it's you know it's a lot more than uh, you bargained for. I think, and in, in the beginning, you really don't know what you're in for until you you actually do it yourself. And then it's like, 
a whole multitude of you have to be the marketer, you have to do the editing, you have to you know come up with the questions, you have to come up with the content and the research and and all of that so yeah i I tend to you know acknowledge that stepping away for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, it's just as long as you have the content and the resources to keep it fresh in people's minds too, like engaging in social media and things like that too, you know, because Absolutely. you don't want to completely and fall off of the grid either. So. Oh, oh yeah, certainly. I mean, that's why we're still kind of, you know, making our presence known on social media and, you know, that's why the other stuff that we did since uh, late September when we wrapped were just little, uh, you know, specials here and there. That's why we had to do a recap special just to keep people in the loop, finding out everything that was going on. That's why we did the Q&A thing, because we wanted to see if anybody was listening. And thankfully, a small contingent of people were listening. So, you know, at least we know we're, we're making some sort of progress there. But just because we're quiet now for a few months doesn't mean we're away altogether so we're we're always thinking and we're always trying to get ahead of things here and uh we're also spending uh, that time getting ready for season two and we look forward to quite a lot of uh new stories and a lot of reaction from people about these stories so if you could step into my shoes um what would you have asked that i didn't can you think of anything Give me one second. This may be the part of the interview you'll get to cut the most out of, just from dead air. Um, one moment. Um, okay, I do have a question. Um, what made you want to talk to other podcasters about podcasting? Did, did it just seem like a, a meta thing or... Did you fear that it might be like snake eating its own tail? No, you know, okay, this is what happened. Okay, I, I, uh, as people who have been listening to the show know, I, I've, I began the show basically because I was sitting on my couch recovering from a surgery. So, um, and I come from a, a background as a DJ who helps out a lot of local bands. So um, I I didn't know if I wanted to become a podcaster again, but I, you know, my creative side was, you know, playing tricks with me. So I said, okay, if I want to do a podcast again, what would it be about? And my first instinct was music, but then I thought a little bit further, and I said, I always like to, to help and promote people, so how can I do it? And I said, well, I could be a podcast that interviews other podcasts about, you know, podcasters about their podcasts. So there, there, you know, was born this idea. So uh, that, 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 you know, that's pretty much the short version of it. So, you know, that it was nothing like, oh, what niche can I get into that no one else has? You know, that, that was like the last thing yeah. on my mind. <laughs> But there are other podcasts who interview podcasters about their podcasts, which I, I you know, quickly learned. So <laughs> they are out there, but, you know, it, it's it's something that I like to do. I always like to help out people, and especially the independent, you know, 
independent podcasters, just like the local and regional bands that are just getting there, you know, just getting out there and whose, you know, music was really awesome, but not a large audience had heard it. So that that's kind of like the same, you know, the same uh, feeling. Well, that's good. That's very good. I mean, I mean, it, it, it does seem though, uh, now that you're saying all this, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that would be the next big thing because, again, with so many different shows to listen to, they're going to need to know more about those shows. Like, I'd like to see like a Siskel and Ebert type show where people go over podcasts and see if they're worth listening to, although that's sort of like live and die by the sword mentality or something. But still, people do need to know that certain things exist, whether they're good or bad, and – or, or underperforming, I don't want to discount anybody's shows that I haven't heard yet. Mm, excuse me. I don't want to discount anybody's shows that I haven't heard yet, but if people knew more about the shows in an analytical way, there would be a lot more awareness of the podcast industry on a whole, let alone other shows. But, you know, you, you got uh, to have the critics – excuse me – you got to have the criticism along with the praise and you know th- there's always going to be an opening for that kind of stuff so i, I think you're doing a, us a pretty good service just by letting other shows know that they exist and certainly uh, your show's existing right now so uh <laughs> what goes around comes around yeah <laughs> so um why don't you uh let people know how people can connect with you on social media and uh furthermore listen to your podcast it would be my pleasure uh well uh first of all uh, the show can be heard on a number of different things and again i am typing telehealth into a google search right now just to make sure that i get all of them uh the primary way is uh through apple podcasts stitcher and spotify if you use uh if you search uh, the word telehealth you'll find that show there uh the uh, main page is telehel.libsyn, and that's uh, sin with a Y, telehel.libsyn.com. That's where we actually have, like, the webpage version of it. We're also uh, listed on uh, something called Podtail, which is kind of news to me. Uh, Listen Notes, which is also news to me. I, I think I, I may have just mentioned a podcast to somebody someday, and he started putting me on these different lists, which is, which is good. Uh, I see uh, something called Blubbery. Podcasting, uh, Blub RRY, <laughs> that one is uh, definitely brand new to me, but that's, hey, more exposure the better. Uh, trying to see what else we got. Oh, Castbox, yes, we're also on uh, Castbox.fm. And that is just about all the ones that we're listed on right now. Uh, as far as social media goes, uh, we are Facebook and Twitter, both of which are at Telehell Podcast. And uh, like I said, we are going to be dropping new episodes every Sunday night if if we can make it on time, of course. And that's going to be starting on January 5th. And a trailer, I think by the time this uh, airs, the trailer already uh, will have dropped. But just in case uh, you haven't heard the trailer yet, it dropped on December 21st. Wonderful. So uh... – before I let you go, is there, do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share, Justin, uh, with our listeners uh, who are just discovering yours or people who may have uh, been listening to yours quite a while now? 
Uh, let's just say we're all discovering each other together. I'm, uh, there's a lot that I'm still trying to figure about this. There's a lot that I think the audience is trying to figure out about this. Uh, and there's also, a, like I said, a wide community out there that I still need to reach out to because that's what the podcast industry is largely about. It's it's all about the social stuff. And you may not know this from the past few minutes that we've been speaking here together, but I am really anxiety ridden. <laughs> I have a hard time talking to people, especially people that I have never met or spoken to before. But thank you, by the way, Sherry, for making me feel comfortable as, uh, as we're doing this, this has definitely eased me uh, quite a lot here, but yeah, that, that's part of the reason also why I did this podcast to begin with is because I wanted to shake the anxiety out of my system. And the best way that I felt I could get the most therapy is if you just crack open the microphone, start talking, you'll feel better as soon as you hit the off button. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, Justin, I look forward to your new season. I'll be listening. And, uh, you know, I thank you again for coming on to your podcast, Your Mind. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the help. And uh, uh, what else can I say? Uh, Go Yankees and tune in January 5th. (laughs) Thanks. And thank you to everyone listening to your podcast, Your Mind. I'll catch you soon.